0: But again this morning we're going to talk about and ultimately participate in this practice of remembrance known as communion or maybe you've referred to it as the Lord's supper whatever we call it it revolves around that night Jesus was betrayed and ultimately crucified and it's it's this final meal he shared with his disciples but I It occurred to me that we just celebrated Christmas, and if you're new to the church, if you're new to this narrative, the story of Jesus, uh, you may wonder, how do we get from Christmas to the cross? Well, this is going to be the fastest summary you'll probably ever hear, but Jesus, after being born in Bethlehem, traveled back home to Nazareth with with his parents. They were on the road at the time of his birth. They went back home to Nazareth, which if you look on a map, is about an hour north of Jerusalem. And in that place, Jesus grew up. The Bible says he grew not only physically, as you might expect, but in wisdom and in understanding. One example from Luke chapter 2, his parents found him one day as a 12-year-old boy. How many 12-year-olds or around 12 do we have in the service? Anybody? Kids, you don't have to raise your hand. But imagine yourself here. His parents found him in the temple engaging with the smartest intellectual religious leaders of the day. And in that chapter, it says that everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding. That was Jesus. Now, we don't know a lot about this part of Jesus' life, but what we do know, and when things start to be more consistently recorded in the Bible, he was about the age of 30. This is when Jesus began what is referred to as his public ministry, where he sort of said, hey, the kingdom of God is at hand. And he started teaching on this kingdom of God. He began healing people, their sickness, their disease. He cast out demons and freed people from oppression. And we hear that and may think, wow, man, people must have been so excited. Many of them were. But many were angry. They were threatened, first of all, by this teaching of a kingdom that would rival the current one that they were in. They were threatened by Jesus' power over sin and over sickness when these religious leaders couldn't do what he was doing. And so they began plotting for ways to get rid of Jesus. One night they had their chance. With the support of the Roman government and the help of one of his own disciples who betrayed him, they arrested Jesus. They put him on trial and eventually he was crucified. But... The night he was betrayed, he had a meal. It's what is often referred to as the Last Supper. And you can see this here 500 year old painting rendition by Leonardo da Vinci. But what's important to note is that this was not just any night, this was not just any supper. Sure, for the, for the people who are trying to kill Jesus, they would, have, they would have taken any night. It didn't matter what night it happened, they just wanted to be rid of him. But God knew from the beginning of time that this night, when Jesus would be arrested and crucified, was the Jewish Passover. If you don't know, the Passover is a yearly feast of remembrance where every single element of the meal that they eat points back to and reminds them of a specific aspect of God's salvation, his deliverance in their life. And since we have kids in the service, if anybody feels willing to share, can anyone tell us does Passover look back to and remember? Anybody wanna raise your hand and give it a shot? Exodus, anything else? Yeah, we can build on that, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, so the Passover remembers this event from from 1,300 years earlier at the point of Jesus where God sent Moses to deliver his people out of slavery in Egypt, where God uh, brought them out where he parted the Red Sea. Does that sound familiar? But the night before they were sent out of Egypt, finally freed from Egypt, there was a plague that went throughout Egypt that took the life of every firstborn. And God told his people to put the blood of a lamb, spread the blood of a lamb on the doorpost of their house so that when death came through Egypt, it would pass over them. And those who heard God and believed him and obeyed him experienced exactly that, protection from death. And so this is the moment in the year. This is the night, the very meal that Jesus is celebrating with his disciples. As they, as the Jews, were preparing the sacrificial lamb, Jesus was being prepared to give himself for us. So, we're going to read a short little snippet of this meal uh, together this morning. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Luke 22. And those books in the seat backs in front of you are Bibles. You could use those. Uh, to turn to Luke 22. If you do not have a Bible, you can keep one of those. as just our gift to you. Um, but this chapter records the final meal Jesus had with his disciples before he was crucified. And, and leading up to the meal, as you're turning there, Jesus, earlier on in the chapter, sends two of his disciples, Peter and John, to prepare the meal. In verse 7, it says, On the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb was sacrificed, that's when this was all happening, Jesus sent Peter and John to prepare the Passover and he sent them to this house in the city and he said, go upstairs, there will be a room that's furnished, prepare the meal there. So they go and they obey Jesus and verse 14 of the chapter is when they all gather to eat the meal. And before we read, would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to remember Lord, I pray that this time would be a time where we could deepen in our understanding of what it is that we actually do when we receive communion. But God, that it wouldn't just be an intellectual exercise where we learn some information or some facts, but God, that you would bring transformation and illumination into our hearts. Not just about some ceremony that we do, but about you, yourself, Jesus, that we would love you more by the end of this. That we would appreciate What you did for us. We pray all of this for your glory and in your name. Amen. So we're going to read Luke 22 verses 14 through 20. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before I suffer. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until it finds its fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this, share it among yourselves. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. In verse 19, also he took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. So again, this very night when the Jews were preparing the sacrificial lamb, Jesus was being prepared to give himself as a sacrifice for us. And what we have here in in these short verses is the beginning of the Lord's Supper, the establishment of, of communion, something we still remember to this day. And part of that is because when Paul explains communion in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and even quotes Jesus and talks about this particular event, here's how he quotes Jesus in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 25, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So, we have here not just a, a one night event, a special moment with Jesus and his disciples, but a continual habit of remembrance. Every time you eat and drink and do this, remember me and specifically what I'm about to do for you. So, if you were to ask people, why do we do communion? What's the point of it? What's the purpose? Uh, because pretty much any church, Christian tradition you go into, there's some version of this. But if you were asked people, "Why do we do it?" I looked that up online and found a surprising variety of answers. I thought I would share a few with you. Uh, communion is a celebration of union with God. That was one. Another perspective, communion is a way to identify with Jesus' suffering. Uh, One person suggested that communion is a special experience of God's grace in our life. Another perspective, communion is a request for divine protection. And then finally, one person suggested it is a way to stay in good standing with God. Now, I have to say, you can tell, uh, especially in that last one, not every perspective is biblically valid. Um, it, it is what we find in scriptures. And nowhere in the scripture do you see that communion or anything that we do is to stay in good standing with God. But it certainly shows how many perspectives people have as they come to this practice. But Jesus, thankfully, simplifies it for us. He, he clarifies it in such basic terms. He hands out the bread, he hands out the drink, and he says what? Do this in remembrance of of me. I love the simplicity of that. I don't know what church tradition you've been a part of, if any, but over the years I feel like communion has been complicated. It's been ritualized and restricted and all these little rules, when you can drink and how you can drink and you got to hold this, that certain way. And I'm like, none of that is in the Bible. All it was ever meant to be is a meal whereby we remembered Jesus who he was and what he did for us. But when Jesus says, remember me, remember me, I want to talk about a little bit, what what does that mean? Because imagine for a moment I said to you all, remember me. What would you say back? Stop being weird, right? I mean, because that's a little weird. Like, remember me. Like, where are you going? Why? And so you may want to know, why should I remember Micah? What is it about Micah that I'm supposed to remember specifically or just generally. Um, and then if you agreed to that, like that's worthwhile, remembering me, you'd be like, well, how do I plan to remember Micah? And you'd be like, all right, remind me in 20 minutes to remember Micah. You know, how many use phone reminders? Anybody? I, don't, I would die without them. I'm just going to be honest. Um, or maybe you have a written to-do list where you, you, you write this down so you don't forget. Jesus provides us with tangible reminders. Because he doesn't just say, remember me. Like some fact that we need to regurgitate later on the test or or some spontaneous thing that pops into our head on the way home. Like, I got to get milk. Oh, yeah, I remember. Jesus, he says, he gives us the the bread, he gives us the wine, and he says, as you're eating, as you're drinking, how many of you eat or drink every day? More or less, right? Right? As you're doing that, that's your reminder. That's your pop-up on your phone. (laughs) To remember me. He takes an everyday activity and infuses it with spiritual and even eternal significance. But to remember, that word in the Greek and English means to bring back. That's what the prefix re means, like recollect, bring back something into your memory and here's how I, I think of this. It's, it's a choice that we make to bring something back into our memory. It's not just a, well, oh, yeah, that popped into my head the other day. Um, and here's how I think of it. Every one of us has a plot of land. Picture that. That you can put certain things on. That's your mental space. It's a limited amount of space. Can we say amen to that? Right? And, and, and in the case of real property, you may choose to have a, a house. You may have, like, a, oh, a shed, we're going to put a shed there. Maybe you park your vehicle on your property. Uh, you have some, maybe some animals, depending on where you live, grazing around on your property. but we have a limited amount of mental space. We have choices to make about what we put on that space. And so Jesus knows. How chaotic that space can get. Can you agree how much competition there is for that space where things come and go and they push and shove and they compete for preeminence in our minds. And so the way Jesus sets us up with the bread and the cup to remember he could not have done a better job and I, I wanted to illustrate that with, a, with some challenges, some memory challenges here in our space today, um, especially with the kids joining us. And I say that because the kids are going to win these challenges, I can just tell you. Um, but I, there's three parts to these challenges just to illustrate how significant it is that Jesus gives us something to remember him by. Okay, so the first challenge, you ready? For, you up for this? If you're not, just wait. It'll be over soon. Okay? Um, the first challenge, I'm going to read 15 items out loud. And by the end, I want you to see how many you can recall. And you're, you're free to, to, to partner up with someone next to you, okay? To say, all right, what do you got, you know? You listen to the first half, I'll listen to the second half. All right. You ready? Here we go. Apple, cat, bell, cup, glasses, truck, bird, present, sandwich, football, trumpet, bicycle, earth, Book, (laughs) tree. How many you think you could remember? How many of like, you have like four and every time a new one, the last one falls off? (laughs) Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, Let's just move right ahead to the next challenge, okay? Uh, The next challenge, we're going to put a picture up now of 15 items. I'm going to name those items. We're going to look at it for a few seconds, and then we're going to take the picture down. And same thing, we're going to see how many you can recall, all right? Let's see this. So I'm going to start uh, reading top, left, down. Butterfly, house, lock, chair, scissors, computer, pencil, clock, guitar, ice cream, light bulb, rainbow, kite, airplane, hammer. Look at those for a second. Okay, now we'll take the picture down and turn to someone near you and see what you can remember. Go. Okay, how many did better that time than the first time? Okay, last one. I'm going to point to and name ten things in this room, right in front of you, and at the end see how many you can recall. All right, you ready? Lights, screen, drums, piano, tree, guitar, Microphone, floor, pulpit, me. Go, you can point. (laughs) Anybody get them all? See, friends, um, Jesus knows how easily we forget. He knows how much competition there is for our mental space. And so he does not just give us some words to remember, which interestingly has how we often approach discipleship and education in general. Here's the stuff to memorize. Jesus says when you eat, when you drink, that's your cue. These things that are part of our everyday lives right in front of us, that's your reminder. To remember me. But speaking of this meal, it's important to note this isn't just a general meal where Jesus is saying, Every time you eat, you know, every time you go get a burger, remember Jesus. I think that's a good practice. If you do that, keep doing that. But this is different, this is deeper. Jesus hands out bread and wine, and he says, This is my body, this is my blood drink it. Now, can we just acknowledge that that's a little bit weird? If you were going to be at that meal and Jesus is like, here's this is my blood, drink it. I think it's important to note that that when Jesus said, do this, eat this meal in remembrance, that in itself would have been very familiar to these Jewish disciples. They would have been totally on board with that, because why? They had been doing it for 1,300 years for Passover. That was the point. We're eating this meal to remember. And so Jesus is like, let's do this in remembrance. And I think that they're like, yes, absolutely. But when Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me, I think some guys probably looked at him. He transformed Passover in that moment. Not just looking back to that 1,300-year-old moment when Moses led them out of physical slavery, but remembering the moment God sent his son to deliver us from spiritual slavery. Not just one night that they remember where death passed over that house that once, but a whole life that could be free from the fear of death. Amen? Jesus transforms Passover in this moment with them. You see, the Jews, many of them missed this aspect of Jesus as their Messiah, which is why a lot of them reject Jesus even to this day. As the Messiah, because they wanted Jesus to do to the Romans what God did to the Egyptians. That was as deep as their concept of salvation went. Get rid of these bad people around us. Jesus, though, came to deal with this, with the deeper root, with the heart of the issue. And for the record, Jesus is the only one who could have or can deal with that. Paul tells Timothy at one point in his second letter to remember Jesus. It's one of the only other places where we see this, but it's not some sentimental remembrance. Hey, remember Jesus? He's a a good friend and a great teacher, wasn't he? Very specific instructions. He says, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David, as preached in my gospel. So you notice there are some specific aspects of remembrance that we are called to engage with when we remember Jesus. And the two here specifically are raised from the dead, meaning Jesus is God. He has power over death. Remember that about Jesus, because if he doesn't have that, we have no hope. But he also says, remember the one who was descended from David, the one all the prophets foretold, the perfect man who lived that life that we could not live. You see, God made a contract with humans when he created human beings. He said, he gave us, it says dominion. That's authority. You are in charge in this planet. Now, obviously, God is ultimately in charge, but he handed over, he shared his authority with us. And even if we screw it up, he continues to allow us to have those choices. And we can see that all around us by experience. So God, rather than taking that authority back and saying, you messed it up, humans, I'm going to fix this all. He sends his son as a human like us. In Romans 8, it says, in the likeness of sinful flesh, to not only be a sin offering, but to live that life that we failed to live, to die that death that we deserve to die, and then to take back from the enemy the authority we gave over, And give it back to us. So we remember Jesus. You see there's so much right there. Raised from the dead. Descended from David. The perfect God. The perfect man. And Paul describes in his gospel in in, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Multiple times he uses the words according to the scriptures. According to the scriptures. Jesus died according to the scriptures. And he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So when Jesus said to his disciples, remember me, remember me, it wasn't just, hey, remember the good times that we've had, although I know that was a part of it. It was, hey, remember what I'm about to do. Remember who I am, according to the scriptures, that I am from the line of David, I am the Messiah, and I am going to rise from the dead to prove that everything that I've told you is true. We are remembering the one who came as a sacrifice for our sins, and then rose again. And guys, this, is, this was what John the Baptist first acknowledged about Jesus. This wasn't some development to the end of Jesus' ministry where they're like, wait a second, you're, you're gonna be sacrificed for sins? John the Baptist, when he first saw Jesus coming, he stopped what he was doing, he directed everyone's attention away from himself, pointed at Jesus and said this, behold, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Isn't that significant that Jesus, on that night he was betrayed, he didn't get rid of Passover, he fulfilled it. All of those years of remembrance were fulfilled in the ultimate Lamb who was sacrificed for their sins, where those who not put blood on the doorpost of their home, which to us feels weird, but we didn't live in that culture, But those who have the blood of Jesus covering their life are are, are protected from the plague of death and judgment. And this, for the record, predates Passover. We keep talking about Passover as sort of the institution of this sacrificial system and all of that. But actually, back in the garden, do you remember when Adam and Eve sinned? And it says that God made clothing. For Adam and Eve. I'd like to see those clothes, right? Probably super legit. But I can tell you that God didn't go down to the fabric store and buy some like stuff and sew some stuff together. It says that God made clothing from animal skins. Think about that. Adam and Eve most likely watched God take the first life of one of these precious animals they had named and known and come to love. And they knew it was because of them. They knew that that animal was dying so that they could live, so they could be clothed, and God himself intervened to do that work. See, Passover was was forecast all the way back in the very beginning and fulfilled in the ultimate lamb of God who was sacrificed for our sins. So when Jesus says, this is my blood, Drink to remember me. You know, I, I I looked up a list of things that people often exchange in order to remember each other. Items for remembrance. You may recognize some of these. A photograph, that's a common one, uh, a personalized keychain, a necklace. Maybe you've received or given a candle or a coffee mug or a watch or a wallet. You know what I didn't find though in any of the lists? Blood. I didn't find anyone say blood is how you remember someone by. It's, again, a little bizarre unless we remember what blood is. Blood is the life being poured out for us. Every time we eat and drink, we remember Jesus gave his life so we could live. His body, his blood in our place on the cross. 1 Peter 1.18 reminds us that God literally purchased us back from death with the blood of Jesus. Here's what Peter says. God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value, but with the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. His blood purchased our salvation And so as we receive communion, we're not just remembering Jesus for ourselves in our own sort of personal world. We are declaring to everyone around us, I sinned. Jesus died for me. I need a savior. I need forgiveness. Paul puts it this way. He says, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We're actually preaching the gospel when we eat and we drink. We're sharing the good news. And and so much of the time, practically, it can feel like the good news of self sufficiency or self righteousness. Or I'm okay, I'm pretty good, I just have a couple little tweaks I need. But ultimately, friends, communion is an opportunity to be broken, it's an opportunity to be healed, it's an opportunity to be vulnerable with our kids. To say, hey bud, I'm, I'm going forward and eating and drinking because of my sin. Remember when I yelled at you this week? Jesus died for that sin. It is an opportunity, friends, for us to be real with the people in our lives. The world is desperate for Christians who are humble and honest about their struggles. Not pretending that we have it all figured out and if they just believed the way we did, everything would be fine. But being honest with people... And still holding to the hope of the gospel. So you can see there's a lot of, there's a lot to communion. Which is why Paul cautions us as we prepare to eat and drink, he says everyone ought to examine themselves. Examine themselves before they eat and the bread and they drink from the cup for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. Now that can sound ominous but that word without discerning is one greek word it just means without weightiness and what that practically means without a sense of what this means flippantly right casually like oh yeah i'll go get a little snack some bread and some juice but he's like no no recognize when you eat you're you're receiving jesus you're saying yes i agree that i am a sinner for whom jesus died jesus blood and body were required for my salvation That is what we're examining. Honestly, when we examine ourselves, we're saying, am I holding back any sin? Am I hiding something over here in the corner that I'm unwilling to surrender to Jesus? So we are going to take some time uh, to do that, but I, I don't want this to discourage anyone from receiving communion, sitting back going, ooh, I don't know if I should go. Jesus said, anyone who wants can come. It doesn't matter if you're new to Mac, it doesn't matter what church back background you come from. It doesn't matter if you're a member. Sometimes churches impose those kinds of things that's nowhere in the Bible. It's just if you put your faith in Jesus, you believe that he's your savior and you want him in your life, you can eat and drink. It doesn't matter how old or young you are. And so we're gonna close with this time of communion. I'll invite our team uh, to, the, to the stage to lead us in this final song. Um, but just some words of instruction. We have four stations set up And they're all more or less identical. You can pick the one that's most convenient for you to go to. Um, We are going to do something a little different, which we used to actually do all the time pre-COVID, is get up and move to the tables. Uh, And at these tables, you'll find um, the little cups of juice is what we have um, provided today. We have um, the bread, which is his body given for us. And then there's also, for for those who are gluten-free, there's options there for bread. Um, But I would just ask you to, to come down to pick those up the bread and the juice. You can eat and drink them right away. You can take them back to your seat. I'll lead us at the end in eating and drinking if you choose to take it back to your seat. Um, but can I just also say that you can say hi to people in line. Can I, like, it feels like when we do this, everybody's like like this really like sacred moment, but communion means together and one. So, man, give each other a hug, a high five. Say Happy New Year, right? Um, And then come and let's remember and celebrate all that Jesus did for us together, all right? Jesus gave thanks when he had this meal, so let's pray together and then we'll receive. God, we thank you. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus. We thank you for your body, we thank you for your blood for this vivid, tangible, visceral reminder that we are not just remembering with our heads, but that we can remember with our hands and our, and our eyes and our mouths and our whole person involved in remembrance. Jesus, we thank you for the blood that reminds us we are forgiven of all our sins, that there is no sin that anyone in this room has committed that is beyond the reach of your atoning blood. Thank you that there's nothing that could keep us from coming to the throne of grace with confidence to find mercy and help. Thank you for blood as a reminder that it is only in you that we live. Thank you for the reminder of the links that you went to to buy us back from death. And Jesus, as we remember you in our time together, we thank you for those many. Instances in scripture where you yourself remember us. You are remembering us in this moment today. You are remembering your covenant to us, founded not upon how well we did last week or how much we read our Bibles or prayed or whatever, but founded upon the blood of Jesus, a spotless lamb who was given for us. We celebrate, we rejoice, we remember, and we thank you.